In the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 35 and 36, you'll find these words. Uh, we've read them into your hearing on several occasions, so when we get back here today, we will be done. Amen? Amen. The Bible says, love your enemies, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Amen? Look at this. He says, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Amen? Well, you may be seated. You may be seated. This is going to be our fourth and final sermon in this series that we have simply entitled uh, Agents of Kindness. Somebody say Agents of Kindness. We said early on that we was part of this AOK force, and I hope that during this time of the year when we have an opportunity to show forth the kindness of God that we have been good agents. Amen? So I said my objective has been to encourage us and to exhort us uh, to personify God's kindness in the world by being agents of kindness. You know, an agent is, uh, uh, as far as kindness is concerned, uh, as far as a force is concerned, we want to see ourselves as an organized body uh, that display and represent God's kindness in the world. Now, when we look up the definition for agent and kindness, we find something similar to this. It says a person who acts on behalf of another person or group. And so in our case, I've been saying that we are acting on behalf of God. Amen. And we're going to see that clearly here in a few minutes today. It says kindness is this. The quality of being considerate, friendly, gracious, and generous. It is a state of being that includes the attributes of loving affection, sympathy, empathy, patience, pleasantness, goodness, and courteousness. Now, kindness is the opposite of being neglectful, harsh, rude, sharp, bitter, resentful, and indifferent. See, I've said that Kindness is a quality that is shown by the way that we speak and the way that we act. So what we need to understand is that kindness is more of our volition than it is of our emotion. In other words, when it comes to us being kindness, we, kind, we have to set our will in agreement with God's word. Amen? And, and when we bring our will in agreement with God's word, then we will act in accordance with God's word. And when we start acting in accordance with the word of God, our feelings should have nothing to do with it. Amen? So therefore, when it comes to us being kind, our emotions should not drive whether or not we're going to treat people with kindness. Amen? So, so genuine kindness that is rooted in love goes far beyond mere pretense and insincere politeness. Genuine kindness is often, you know, will demand our personal time, our personal talent, and our personal treasure. So my prayer is that as agents of kindness, uh, we will meet the demand of genuine kindness. Amen? And, and I said that, you know, uh, since this is part four, if someone online or any of you have missed the other three parts, I would encourage you to go back on our On Demand on the website and take a listen to them so that you can see how we have walked this kindness principle throughout the scripture. Amen. So today we're going to uh, continue with our journey with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is where Paul established love as the greatest gift. And, and, and because love is so important, Paul described love, uh, he described what love looked like in more detail. In other words, here we're going to see that kindness is a characteristic of true love. And, and kind love is gentle and mild and always ready to show compassion, especially to those who are in need. Amen? And so when I look at kind love, I kind of saw that personified on Thursday, on Thanksgiving. Because there were many of you who took time out of your day to come down to be a service to the community when you could have been at home doing something for yourself. And, and I just want to thank all of you who made God's love visible by showing kindness to those who came by on Thursday and you showed them the love and the compassion and the kindness that they needed. And not knocking anybody who wasn't here because I'm, I hope that when you was with friends and family on Thursday, you was in a, in a act, uh, acting in kindness, even with your friends and your family and your relatives, amen? And so here in chapter 13, where Paul personifies love, he makes sure that we understand that love involves a lot of qualities, but at the same time, kindness is one of those things that is connected to love. That's why sometime in the Bible you will see the word loving kindness together. Amen? So look at this. In, in chapter 13, verse 4 through 7, he says, love is patient and kind. Love is patient. In other words, love says you got to know how to put up with folk and be patient with people. Amen? Because in this life, everybody's not going to move at the pace that you move at. So therefore, in time, at times, you must be patient with other folk. Then in the midst of being patient, you need to be. Because sometimes when we're not working at the same pace as someone else and they're frustrating our grace, we can be un. But if you're operating in love, love is. He says, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. So when we operate in patience and kindness connected with love, that means that we don't walk around with a little book with all the offenses that folk done did to us. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we try not to look back on all the wrongs that have happened, especially if looking back is going to cause us to act in an unkind, unkind way. So, so therefore, sometimes we got to destroy the record book. I mean, I know it's up here, but you're going to have to override your mind sometimes. Because your mind has a tendency to not want you to act in kindness. But you got to know that if you're going to say you're operating in love, love is not separated from, from kindness. Look what love does. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoice whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never lose faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. To all those things that is connected to love, we see that kindness made the list. Amen? And what we're going to see as we continue on today, uh, a little later, kindness always makes the list. Amen? When, when the Bible starts listing attributes that we should have, 
you're going to find out that kindness makes the list all the time. Sometimes it's used by, in different words, but for the most part, it all comes back to kindness. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Here in this passage, this is where the Apostle Paul was calling for generous giving. You know, some parts of kindness involve you being able to give generously. Amen. He calling for generous giving from the Corinthian church to help the struggling churches in Jerusalem. Those of you with that Bible said, no, we talked about this. And he used the small poor churches. Somebody say poor churches. He used the small poor churches in Macedonia to ignite the wealthy churches in Corinthia, the Corinthian church, to complete their commitment. Because a year earlier, they had committed that they would give to support the cause of the churches in Jerusalem. But you know, sometime in life, a lot of things can happen in a year's time. You know, we make a commitment to one thing on one day, but six months later, unless we are totally sold out to what we committed to, sometimes we forget our commitment. So these, this church had committed to that we are going to, they one of, was one of the first churches to say, hey, we are going to be committed to helping the poor churches in Jerusalem. But a year later, they were not completing their commitment. And so from this main point, I just want to reinforce that God used people to show forth his acts of kindness in the earth. God used people. And he's going to make this very clear when we read this. Look at this. In, in, in chapter 8, verse 1, he says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness, who the kindness belong to? So he says, what God in his kindness has done through. God's kindness worked through people. And if kindness is going to show up in the earth, it's going to be because one of you display it. Because one of you live it out. He says, now, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. So God used the smaller churches in Macedonia to show his kindness to the churches in Jerusalem that was really struggling. God want to use you to represent his Charlie, he want to use you. Pee Wee, he want to use you. Let's talk, he want to use you. You're his agent for kindness in earth. An angel is not going to come down, Major, and do what you're supposed to do. And so the world is never going to get better until God's agents of kindness start doing what he called us to do. Amen. He said, now look, I want you to see what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Now look at this. They were being tested by many troubles. And they were very poor. God can use the poor. So you don't have to possess a whole lot to be used by God as an agent of kindness. They had troubles. So your life don't have to be perfect for you to be an agent of 
I mean, you could be going through some things and still be. They say they were being tested, Brother Mo, by many troubles. And they were not just Po. P.O. Po. They were very P.O. Po. So obviously there must be the different degrees of being poor. You know, there's poor with food stamps and there's poor with no food. So they were... But the next word is but, which changed things. But they are also filled with abundance so poor folks can have joy too. Money don't bring you. Stuff don't bring you. The new television that you got yesterday on Black Friday or the day before, on whatever Friday that was, it ain't going to bring you joy. I mean, all that stuff you just went and got in line for and you ordered online and it's going to be here in the next couple of days. It ain't going to fill you with joy. Amen. You may feel good while you was buying it, but it ain't going to fill you with joy. You know, two weeks from now, it ain't going to mean nothing. When life take a turn that you weren't expecting. So you're going to have to get an abundance of joy that comes from the inside and not from things externally. So he says now, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. So they were poor, but they was filled with joy, and because they had so much joy, it overflowed to generosity. In other words, they gave out of their lack. See, most of us give out of our abundance. Most of y'all don't even know what it's like to have to give out of your. Now, maybe you were there one time, but today, most of those of you online, you don't know what it's like to have to give out of your. When you have to give someone your last dollar, share your last dollar with somebody. You know, most of us will share our dollar, but we got a bank account with many dollars. In God's eye, that don't really count for much. Amen. Because it's easy to give out of your abundance. But can you give when you got a need? When all your focus is on you, 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 can you still find a way to give even though you're not where you think God wants you to be? These people were overjoyed to be able to be a part of giving when they was poor. You know, most scenarios, poor folks are takers and not givers. But I do believe out there every now and then there's someone who's poor that will share their last with somebody else. And they would do it with great You know, when you have an abundance of joy, see, you don't get joy from stuff. Stuff can make you happy. But when your happiness fades, you can still have, because joy comes from somewhere deep down on the inside of you. So joy is an inside job. And if you don't get joy out of doing something, it's going to show up in your continence. It's going to show up in the way you act and the way you carry yourself. Even if you're doing something, nice, 
but you're not doing it with joy. People are going to be able to see that you really don't want to. That's why the Bible tells us don't give grudgingly of the. Because when you do that, then it's going to rob you of your. So they, they were filled with an abundant joy which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. They exceeded Paul's expectation that these folks gave more than they could afford to give. He says, and they did it of their own See, we shouldn't have to coerce God's people and trick God's people and manipulate God's people to give. Amen. It, it ought to be a part of who we, because we understand that when we give to help others, we'll represent God in the earth. And so therefore, when we do that, we ought to do it of our own free will. Oh, they tricked me today in church. They made everybody get in line and walk up there. And I was too embarrassed not to put something in. They tricked me. Normally, they just let us walk out and walk by the box on the outside. And I can either put my blindfold on and walk by. Nobody's checking. But today, Pastor changed things up. So we're going to bring the boxes on the inside. And as we're giving the benediction, I just want y'all to walk by the box. Somebody say, man, <laughs> that ain't free will. That ain't free will. You done tricked me, pass it down. You, now you done made me. You, I didn't even bring my checkbook to church. I, that's that day. But when you understand giving a free will, you understand that giving is a part of worship. For we worship God when we give back to him a portion of what he has blessed us with. Amen. See, see he says now, they did it of their own free will. This is where the Bible don't make sense, Pee Wee. Because normally folks don't beg to give. That just don't happen. He said, they begged us again and again for the privilege. They saw giving as a privilege, a sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. I guarantee you 90% of y'all don't see giving as no privilege. <laughs> y'all can laugh. I'm trying, I'm trying to be funny right now because it's tough getting through this giving part right here. But, but this talks about, you know, how we're to be kind even in the area of our... This is the time of the year where you can show kindness in your giving. You know, when you're walking out of Walmart and Sam, they're going to be ringing the little bells. You know that going in. And if it's on your heart, 
you ought to put something in a little red bucket and see it as an act of and be thankful that you got something to put in the red bucket. See, if you didn't have nothing, you wouldn't be walking in Sam's or Walmart. So don't psych yourself out. Well, I just ain't. Yes, you You got it. You got it. Just let me see the Sam's receipt, the Walmart receipt. You got it. You just ain't kind with it, but you. Baby, you, you got it. We just got to get you to be kind. Because you think because you got it, you got it all by yourself, and it all belongs to you. But a portion is for you to be. I know this don't make sense, but this is all talking about kindness and how we represent God in the earth when it comes to kindness. And sometime, I told you earlier, that kindness will make a demand on your resources. So sometimes when kindness makes a demand on your resources, it may mean you have to sacrifice something for you in order to be a blessing to somebody and sometimes you sacrifice not just with your money, with your time. I, that's why I can appreciate, thoroughly appreciate it, and I, not regardless whether you, were, when you, whether you was down here on Thursday or not, but I saw that as an act of sacrifice for people to come down and spend all that time down here on Wednesday, Thursday, making that place look like a banquet hall for a, a Thanksgiving dinner, for people to walk in off the street that they don't even and to serve them when they could have been at home, even with their own family. So to me, that was a serious act of... I saw Sister Wilson back there administering medical assistance to a gentleman. Kindness. You could have just said, hey, man, look at you. Eat and get up and get on out of here. You got 15 minutes because the next wave coming in. Y'all got to go. No, I even saw folk back there just holding conversation with people that they didn't even. And so when we do stuff like that, it's better when it's done of your own free. Pastor made us come down here. He done put it out there, you know, and now you showed up and our joy gone, your joy gone, and the people ain't even enjoying the meal. He tricked us. <laughs> now, those of you who showed up, you saw it as a privilege to be able to share your Thanksgiving with somebody else. And I believe that when we do things like that, that's how we truly represent God in the earth when it comes to kindness. And you got to see it Man, if God has blessed you with something, you got to see that you are privileged to be able to give something. Amen. I say this all the time. You know, I hear people say, well, you know, it is better to give than to read. And, and that's a true statement. Most people don't understand that. But, man, I remember being on both sides of that coin. On the receiving end and the giving end. And the giving in 
is a whole lot better. Amen. The, the giving in is a whole different mindset than the receiving in. I didn't mind receiving when I needed it. But look here, to be able to be in that position where God can use me to give and show kind to someone, man, that's a whole another level of living and a whole better place to be in. And again, don't look at it as the number of zeros that's in your bank account. Because I'm showing you that you don't even have to have a big bank account to be able to freely give of yourself to someone else. Amen. And that's what these churches was doing. And Paul was using these small churches in Macedonia to kind of shame this big church in Corinth. Because this was a wealthy church. They had all their needs met. They were just arguing about gifts. But here, he had to remind them with the smaller churches that they made a commitment a year before, and they need to honor their commitment. Amen? Whenever you make a commitment, your word ought to mean something. And not in, in this area just kind, but let me tie this to marriage. You know, Mike, marriage is a commitment. I mean, you got to honor your commitment to sickness and health, you know, rich or poor. You got to honor the commitment. You just can't haul off and walk away from the commitment. And see, I see this happening so much today because people don't understand kindness, commitment, and love, and all those things and how they play together in God's kingdom. And then they walk away from their commitment. And every now and then they need somebody like pastors to come along and remind them, hey, you made a, you said to death do us. That was your you said it's good times, bad times. Sickness and it's richer or poor. You made it. And so part of that commitment requires you to be kind to the person you committed. Oh, God. This ain't about marriage. This is after Thanksgiving. This is about being good in the community and all that. But, I'm, but your house is a community. And if there's no kindness in the house, there's not going to be much common unity in the house. Amen? Okay, let me go on. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5. You see, kindness keep making a list of certain things that the writer describes. Here we find the Apostle Paul encouraging and exhorting the Galatian believers to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say the Holy Spirit. See, he admonished them to let the Holy Spirit guide their lives. Then they would do what the Spirit dictates and not do the things that their sinful nature craves. Then he contrasts the results of being led by the sinful nature. And I'm not going to go through the list of the bad stuff. I think we all know that. We have been there. Uh, with being led by the Spirit. And see, from this passage, I want to use this so that we can see that the Holy Spirit want to produce kindness in our lives. Because kindness is part of the fruit of the... He want to produce all of the fruit, 
But one of the things in this list of fruit is, and guess what? All of these things are here so that they will be manifested in your life. Amen. So, so as the Holy Spirit work in you, maybe he's trying to produce something. And we know when it comes to producing fruit, it takes work. Fruit don't just pop up on a tree. Somebody got to go out and tear the ground up, put a seed in, water it, till around it so the certain things don't choke it out. And then all of a sudden the tree pops up and then some years later it starts bearing. So when it comes to this list of attributes, you're not going to get here overnight. I'm just planting this in some of y'all's heart for the first time. And as I plant this in your heart, someone else got to come and water it. And then all of a sudden, it will start taking root. You just ain't going to wake up kind overnight. But you're at least going to leave here knowing that kindness has been planted. A seed has been put in you. Now it's up to you to allow that seed to be watered and, and the ground around it to be tilled, hardening and softening up your heart so that you'll be able to continue to receive God's word. And then one, one day when you least expect it, boom, kindness is going to show up. When you least expect, when you say, man, a year ago, I wouldn't have even thought about doing that for somebody. But all of a sudden, kindness showed up. And so what I'm trying to tell you, anything that's on this list, if you've been with the Lord for a period of time, the Holy Spirit is trying to produce this in your, in your life. Look at this. He says this in verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces, somebody produce, say produces produces this kind of fruit in our lives. In other words, he wants this to be a part of who you are. This is not something that you put on one day and take off the next. No, this is something that once it starts growing in your life, every season he's looking for something. You know, if you don't put an apple tree in the backyard, you know when apple season is. I mean, you don't have to go out there every year and plant more seeds around that same tree. That tree knows it's an apple. And when apple season come around, you know it's an apple tree. And you have an expectation that when you walk out there, whatever season apple grow, apples grow in, you're looking for apples on that tree. And so it's the same way. As we grow and as we mature in the things of the Lord, at certain points in time, Kim Wanda, he's looking for something to be on your tree. Brother Ron, he's looking. For something to be on your, he, he don't want you to be a barren fruit tree. There's nothing more disgusting to a person that looks out in the backyard. You know, you can even live with the robins and the sparrows eating up the plums. I can handle that. But to look out there in the middle of plum season and ain't no plums, that's a whole def different feeling right there. So look at this from a spiritual standpoint. When God looks in your life at some particular point in time based upon when the seeds were planted in you, at some point in time, he has an expectation that fruit is going to manifest itself in your life. He has an expectation. Now whether or not you want to produce it's up to you. But that don't change his ex 
expectations. No different than you having expectations for your children. As they get older and start rebelling, it don't mean you change your expectations. So when we look at this and realize it is the Holy Spirit that allows us to grow fruit, then we need to be doing everything that we can not to hinder the growth process. Are y'all with me today? Look at this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, real short. He said, look, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. This is his kind of fruit. Love. Well, we just got through reading about love. You know how important love is to God because God is love. But the Holy Spirit also wants you to have some joy. There's nothing more uh, disturbing as a joyless Christian. I mean, you ain't never got any joy. Pastor, you say never. I got it sometimes. Well, once a year <laughs> ain't really joy. I mean, you, you, your joy don't show once a, once a year. I don't want to be around you. Your joy just show up during this time of the year. So when the lights come down about February, joy gone. What would make the Holy Spirit stop producing that? in your life if he wants you to have it. So he says, this is the kind of fruit that he wants to produce in our lives. Love, joy, peace. Man. It seemed like it feel like peace, Brother JP, and being a Christian all just go together. I mean, how can we be children of God, and we never got no peace. I mean, your mind always perplexed. You mad at the world, mad at you, mad at everybody. Man, you ought to at least get peace with yourself. <laughs> you ought to just look at yourself in the mirror and one day just say, hey, look, I love you. I'm at peace with you. All these nuts around me, I ain't feeling, but right now, I feel pretty good with it. So maybe if you can start at being peace with you, you can be peace with others. But if you're always fighting you, other people ain't got a chance. Amen. And I'm talking about having that peace that comes from God, that internal peace that has nothing to do with what you got in your life, but just that tranquil spirit that's on the inside of you that can give you peace in the midst of a storm. Because you know who you trust, and you also know that it's a fruit that he wants to produce in you. Then patience. Oh, that comes around. Love is patience. We just saw that a few minutes ago, so patience keep making the list. So obvious to me that means that, Charlie, some church folk just can be impatient. He writing this to the church, so that means there had to be some impatient folks in there. And he said, look, man, sometime, Major, we just got to put up with folk. Can I get an amen right now? Patience means that every now and then, you got to just put up with some folk. They ain't going nowhere. 
You just got to deal with them. And you just have to put up with. But right now, we'd rather quit. We'd rather run. We'd rather cut ties instead of just being. Then he says the spirit wants to produce kindness. We already know what kindness is. Then the spirit wants to produce goodness. The spirit wants to produce faithfulness. In other words, we ought to be faithful. We ought to be loyal to God and, and what he is calling us to do. Then gentleness. And the last one, the spirit wants to help you control you. Amen. Because he says he wants us to have self-control. And the only someone that can control you. Amen. When you lose it, it's because of you. They just made me now. They ain't make you do all that. Some of that was just you. Amen. And so we got to understand that if we're producing that type of fruit when situations come up in our lives where we need to display self-control, the Holy Spirit is trying to feed that into us so that we will respond accordingly. But when we are not trying to grow this fruit, when we're not cultivating these things in our life, they're not just going to happen unless we have on purpose put them on every day. And we tell ourselves that we're going to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. Then he said, look at this. There is no law against these things. In other words, man, if you put on these things, then there is no Law. God didn't put no commandment out there, put nothing out there that would tell you, you cannot do these things. Amen. So now, if there is no law against them, that means God is okay with them. Can you imagine us living in a world where we were doing things that there would be no law against them? Then, if we was living in that type of world where Christians was doing things like here, that there's no law against them, then guess what? A lot of the laws, natural laws in our books would go away. If the world and America was operating in the law of love and kindness and gentleness, you wouldn't get carjacked. So we wouldn't need laws for carjacking. You wouldn't be murdering folk. You wouldn't be battering and breaking and entering. Because that wouldn't need no law against that. Because none of you all should be doing any of those. But the reason we have to have laws that say don't do those things is because people won't follow these laws that God has prescribed that there is no law against. He's saying, look, you can do any of these things as long as you want, as much as you want. I don't have a problem with you producing this fruit in your life. No law against it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 through 32. As Paul was encouraging the Ephesians to live as children of light, in other words, he didn't want them to continue to live as the Gentiles were living because their minds were filled with darkness. In the midst of this instruction, you know, that he was giving them on their behavior, we find him admonishing them to be kind to each other. You know, 
all throughout these letters, Paul has to keep reminding the church to be kind to one If we can't be kind in here, we definitely ain't going to be kind in the world. Amen. Now look here. Now he just tells us some don'ts, and I know don'ts don't sell well, and I almost not read the don'ts, but in order to get to the do, I had to read some of the don'ts. So I apologize to those of you who are sensitive to don'ts in the Bible and think that the Bible is too negative. And so, you know, I'm just reading what the words say, Robin. You know, I'm not trying to make you feel bad by being negative. I know y'all came to church today after Thanksgiving to hear a positive message. Now you got to go in here and read don'ts. I tried to get around it, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me just pass it up. So it's all right if I just read what the Bible says right here. It ain't going to help none of y'all because y'all been delivered. Y'all passed it. But, but this is for somebody who's online. One of y'all friends need to hear me say this, and you need to get this in your spirit because it may help somebody you know. Is it all right? Do I have y'all permission? Okay, well, the first word in verse 39, 29 says, don't. Lights are just turn off. Some of you, I'm turning them off right now. Don't. Okay. He said, now look, this may help some of y'all that got bad mouth. Don't use foul or abusive language. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. And I know y'all in here, no, none of us got foul mouths and use abusive language. And, you know, y'all got self-control. So when you get upset at your husband or your wife, you just, self-control just kick in. And your language sounds rosy. They're nice, kind, gentle. But this is for those folks who still got a little issue with their mouth. Don't use foul or abusive, not just with your wife, but with your children. Amen. I mean, that's a way to correct our children, but we don't have to be abusive. When we were coming up, they didn't know no better. They thought being abusive with that language was part of correcting us and making us feel better later. You know, when they tell you, you just sorry. <laughs> you ain't going to be no good. You just, you just like your old sorry daddy. He wasn't no good, you ain't going to be no good. I mean, they didn't, granddaddy them didn't know they was abusing us. With that language. Get your A over here and sit down somewhere. <laughs> what? That's how they're going to talk to us like that? They didn't know they went to church today. And they tell me, you better sit your A down. You better before I knock the S out of you. You know what I mean? This is, this is church folk. This is church folk. They just didn't know, no. Now, y'all are more. See, now I'm glad that we don't talk like that anymore. But granddaddy and them didn't know, no. So I was under granddaddy school, and the Holy Spirit had to get that out of me because when I didn't know no better, I talked to my kids the same way the granddaddy talked to But somewhere I read, he said, don't use foul or abusive language. Now I can go to a basketball game, and I hear them soccer moms, basketball moms, and them dads in the stands. They need to read this. 
they up there using foul, abusive language, calling the coach all kinds of things because they done took Johnny out. Johnny was messing up. <laughs> you know Johnny was messing up. He needs to be on the bench right now. I know that's your boy. You came to see him play, but he needs to be on the bench right now. So for your soccer mom friends and basketball dads, you just tell them when you get upset, the coach, man, don't. Don't be using foul or abusive language. Amen. He said, now look, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Our words should be lifting, encouraging. It should be, you know, constructive and not destructive. You can correct people without destroying them. Amen. And we can destroy people with the words of our and sometimes what the old folks said is right. You just need to bite your tongue. Amen. Because you can't bite your tongue and use foul language at the same time. You can thank it, but if you bite your tongue, so rule number one, if you got a problem with your mouth, bite your tongue. Literally. And I ain't talking about figuratively. Oh, he just meant that like a metaphor. I ain't know. Literally. Sometime when you get ready to go off. Hard to go off, man. Nothing just come out. You hear that? I'm being silly, but I hope you get my point. Some of y'all married folk need that. You need to say, baby. Pastor said, bite your tongue. Honey, you heard him like I heard him. The Bible said, just bite Look at verse 30. He says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. So we can cause the Holy Spirit to be grieved, to cause him to be sorrowful by the things that we do. Remember that he has identified you as his own. You no longer belong to yourself. You belong to God. The Holy Spirit is the seal that God has sealed you with until he returns. So he's guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So then now, after telling us don't do something, then he says, now look, when it comes to your mouth and the things that come out of you and your behavior, you got to get rid of some things. Get rid of bitterness. People don't wrote books out there on what bitterness can do to a person when you're holding on to bitterness deep down in your spirit. So he said, you got to root it out. You got to get rid of it. Bitterness that just is not going to leave you. You got to intentionally get rid of bitterness. Amen. He says, now, get rid of all bitterness, rage. That's a nice way of saying, you know, well, that's a, a real short way of saying, you know, you just can't go off on folks. You just got to get rid of just going. I mean, you get in a, a fit of, you, you ever seen someone that got caught up in a fit of rage? Man, you know, when they get going, they just scare everybody. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, y'all don't went off on your kids at home when they were little. 
and they start scurrying like little rats. Because they, they, they don't see something come over you that ain't supposed to be in you anymore. But they can, man, rage, you just see it. So he said, now you got to get rid of that rage. Then you got to get rid of your anger. You got to get rid of being harsh, your harsh words. And slander, you got to stop lying on folks. Amen. As well as all type of evil behavior. So now once he tells us to get rid of some things, then he gives us something that we ought to put in place. He says, now instead of being that way in verse 31, instead, be kind to each other. Tenderhearted. Having a soft, compassionate heart toward people. Forgiving one another. That helps you with that patience thing because you know some folks are going to get on your nerves, but you're going to have to learn how to forgive them in spite of. Because just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So he admonishes the church to be kind to each. He ain't talking to the world here. He's talking to people that go to church every Sunday. And he's telling them y'all got to be kind to one another. Now some of y'all got kindness nailed, man. I mean, I wish I can go down the list and just call some of y'all names. You know, as I see you sitting out there. I mean, as a pastor, I walk around and I see, you know, pretty much everybody that comes through the door is striving. And some of y'all wear this kindness thing real good. I mean, I ain't never seen y'all just up to about. I don't want to put you on nobody's hit list. I ain't going to call your name out right now. But, you know, but, but you know, I can call your name out face. Okay. I was really talking about Doc, though. But because Doc, I ain't, I, I ain't never seen, I ain't never seen, man. That's one dude, I, Doc, I ain't mean to put you on the spot. I ain't know you was going to be here today. But, man, I have never, now nah, he may be a different guy. Huh? I ain't going to ask Chris about that, you know. But at least at church. Maybe on the golf course, maybe he may not be kind to you. But, but man, I ain't never seen that dude in a way that he wasn't kind. I mean, every time I've seen him, you know, and it's hard to fake that all the time. I, I, I mean, just tenderhearted, kind of people, always willing to do something. We ask them, I mean, just, now, this ain't my notes. He, I didn't even know he was going to be at church today, but since I saw him sitting back there, he just popped up. And see, the list could go on, but I don't want to go on for fear of not having to call everybody in his name. And then some of y'all name gonna be the don't. <laughs> so let me let me just stop right there while I'm here. Let me stop at the doc me and you. And doc didn't pay me today for this. He said. So he said, now look, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Always remember what the Lord did for you. Amen. Amen. Now let me close. I'm almost done. I'm going back to our text real quick. This text that Jesus is using here is similar to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And in both parts, he talks about love, and he takes love to a whole nother level. And he was talking about how love and how we should function in the kingdom of God. And he was telling them to do something that did not make sense to the natural person. 
and it was not even practical. And some people will say he's telling us to do something that's impossible to do. In other words, to fulfill what he's telling us here, you can't manifest this in your life without the Holy Spirit helping you. Without the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you, you, you think that Jesus was just using this as an example and he didn't have no expectation for us to try to live this out. He was just giving us this metaphor of love and enemies just so we have some idea of how love really supposed to function in the earth. He really, Brother Wilson, didn't expect for you to love your enemy. He really didn't expect for you to turn the other. He couldn't have meant that. But if he would tell you to love your enemies, turn the other cheek. So I can see by the look on some of y'all faces when I read this, you're going to agree that he really couldn't mean for me to love my enemy. But that's what he said. Look at this, verse 35. Now, love your enemies. Not your frenemies, but your enemies. Not only do you love them, but now you got to do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. I had to tell them that because in the Jewish culture, you know, some of the wealthy folks could lend money to others, but they were supposed to lend it without charging interest. They couldn't put no, ex, ex, you know, exorbitant amount of interest on a loan. In, in other words, they would rather you just give it to them and then don't expect no interest on it when you get it back. So he was saying, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. And I always say this definitely apply to family. And, and my kids remember me say this, and every time I think I'm lending them something, they let me know. You done said, you don't expect to be repaid. They got that down. And so when they say that, I say, okay. Yeah, I, okay, you got me. I, I was expecting it, but since you said I got to lend without respecting to be prepared. So I do carry up and say, if the Lord just placed on your heart one day that you want to give my money back, you can. But I'm not it. Look at this. He said, now when you understand and do those things, he says, then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High when you do those things for he is the Most High, is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. So God is kind to the unthankful and the wicked and as his children, he expects us to be kind to the unthankful and wicked. So if he would expect that from the unthankful and wicked, then to be kind to your family members is kind of out of the, you know, no-brainer. I mean, there's no way you should be at odds with anybody that you're some kin to, man. Y'all blood. You got to put that petty stuff aside and say, man, if God is unkind, is kind to the ungrateful and wicked, then I got to be kind to you because we family.
And family ought to mean something, especially, you know, this is that time of the year where you really find out what family ties are. Because everybody come out the woodwork during Thanksgiving and Christmas season. So this is going to be some powerful times that's coming that you can be kind to some family members. And, and don't, look, I don't know much about texting protocol, but kindness is not sending them the group text. You know, you got your group, just Merry Christmas, hope you have a wonderful day. God bless you. Like that. That, ain't, that ain't kind. That may be just a little thoughtful, but it ain't kind. Kind is you being personal and talking to each one of them in the, letting them know that you put some thought in that text. You didn't let, you know, the machine help you put the next word in, you just clicked on it. Then he says, last text, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. When we display those attitudes and we act like that, we're acting like our heavenly father. And that's how they see God's love in the earth, through us. When we act like his children, when we do the things that he requires of us to do, then the world look at us, and that's why the Bible tells us to let our light so shine that men may see our good works, you know. Not to glorify us, Brother Wilson, but to glorify our Father, which is in heaven. So we got a charge. Just be agents of kindness. In messages like this, you ain't going to shout. I, 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 you know, I just can't make a shot with a kindness message because, you know, you got to get this. Because I really want you to live this kindness thing out and ask God to give you opportunities, especially now, when you can be kind to someone. Amen? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise, if you will.